I want to uh, read for you the scripture today. It's from James chapter 2, beginning in the very first verse and, and going through verse 13. And I'm reading out the English Standard Version. Uh, if you have a different version, it may sound differently, but the meaning won't change. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, you've not been, uh, you have, not, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme and honorably, and uh, who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Would you pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we, number one, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you show no partiality amongst men, but rather, Lord, you are the same to all. And so, Lord, we are grateful that we serve a God uh, that is like that. Lord, we confess we are not like that. And so today, we need your help. Open our eyes that we can behold wonderful things out of your word. And Lord, then give us the ability to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. To, today, I'm calling this sermon, Purpose Over Preference. You can put that slide up, thank you. Um, and you can see in the corner, if you can't tell, that's like a cartoon where there's a cloud and everybody in it's fighting. And you get that. Uh, and, and, uh, and the two men in the middle are cooperating together to hold up the sign saying over. Uh, so we need to have purpose, and we need to exalt our purpose above our preference. As I read that, some of you may have, and I'm not going to say anybody did anything, but some of you may have thought, well, I'm glad I don't show partiality, and I hope you don't. Some of you may say, wow, I, I really do that a lot. So you've already got the point of the sermon, and you could be praying for the rest of us to, to understand all of this. But I, I want to put up a few slides just to help you think this through. Go ahead with that first one, if you don't mind. Guns, no guns. Uh, that's two different sides of an argument. Uh, and, and I would venture to guess the majority in this room are on one side of that. But that's not the point. The point is this. What do you think about the people on the other side? No matter what side you're on, how do you consider them? Do you berate them? Do you feel ugly toward them? If they were carrying a sign that was the opposite of your belief, would you show Jesus to them? You say, well, you know, that's kind of a big subject in our country. We, we have laws that, that uh, should be guaranteed in this nation about that, uh, but it doesn't seem to be a settled issue. You, you put out another one. This is a biggie. Yeah. Now, again, the majority of people in here are probably on one side of that, and even if you're on one side, you're probably convoluted about it. 
for some reason, conflicted about it, I should say. Uh, and, and that's fine. So that's a biggie, right? And so, man, obviously people on the other side, they are wrong. And by the way, let me just say this. Uh, is, if you know me, you know what kind of person I am. But let me just say that God is not for a political party. God is not for us. We are supposed to be for him. Now, he is for us. He's, you know, in the sense that he loves us and gave himself for us. But we can't come up with whatever we believe and expect God just to be on our side, right? So that's a biggie. I don't want to say too much about that. I might misstep or somebody might start throwing things. I don't know. So anyway, well, you say, well, that's a little one. Everybody in here is having to wear a mask except me. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, and mine's in my pocket. You know, I put it on. I, I want to protect those around me even though I'm not sick. And uh, so that's not a biggie, but my question is then why have people all week been arguing about it on Facebook? And that, that's a big deal. Really? Preference over purpose, instead of purpose over preference. You see, yesterday we, we had a long week. It was an emotional week, a lot of stuff happened, none of your business right now. Um, but it, it was just, trust me, it was a tiring week. And uh, my brother-in-law and sister came up from Charleston, uh, so they missed the riots, hallelujah. And uh, they wouldn't have been where that happened yesterday. But, but they came on up because they, they were going to help me harvest honey from my beehive. And so all morning we worked on the beehive, and my grandkids came over, my, my daughter and son-in-law came over. And uh, we had some stuff we needed to do in the afternoon, and, and we needed these special bricks, and we bought them from a place in Waynesboro, uh, man in the church, I'll give him a shout out, Kirk. And uh, so uh, we, we uh, Janice and Stephen, my son-in-law, went to get the bricks. And we stood up from lunch. Uh, as they left, we, got, we stood up. And my granddaughter, who's five, went to go get on the porch where there was a little swimming pool, a little wading pool. And she came running back in. And if you don't know about beekeeping, you smoke the bees. You have a, it's called a smoker. It's a can with a bellows. And you smoke them, and they, they just calm down. They'll go to the lowest, or they'll just quit moving. And so when you're robbing their hive, it's a smart thing to get them calm. Um, so, so we set the smoker in the driveway, you know, away from everything. So she came running back in, and she said, there's smoke outside. And we said, we know, sweetie. We put the bee smoker out there. And that's the, she said, no, the fire's on the ceiling. Yeah, so we jumped up, went running, and our... 20 by 50 shed, fire is broiling out of the window. So my brother-in-law got a garden hose, started knocking it down. He yelled, call, call 911 because he knows I'm slow, so he had to tell me. So I, I call him, and within 10 minutes, there was five fire trucks, two, uh, two uh, fire chief-type cars, police car, two medic cars. I mean, it was crazy, and the inside was good. But, you know, they came rolling in, and you know what I saw getting off that truck? firemen, firefighters to be right. They're not firemen, they're firefighters. Firefighters were rolling off those trucks. I didn't go, hold on, stop, wait a minute. Do you agree with the Westminster Confession of Faith? What do you think of the Baptist faith and message? What color are you? Where's your political affiliation? What area of this country are you from, boy? What country did you come from? No, all I saw was firefighters running to my aid. And when we start putting preference over our purpose, we quit telling people about Jesus because of our preferences. And James puts this very clearly, and he uses fine apparel and poor apparel. 
I want you to take this home with you today, if you will. When we, de when we desire our preference over our purpose in life, we've become our own God. Look what he says in the very opening verses here. He calls us brothers, my brothers. So, so he's appealing to all of us. Now, remember, James is the half-brother of the Lord because listen to what he says. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. James identifies his half-brother as the Lord of glory. You remember when Jesus was here and he was active uh, in, in the body before his resurrection, before uh, his exalted body, as he was ministering, his brothers thought he was crazy. He said he needs to be put in a saint asylum. They, they just thought that Jesus was nuts. Somewhere along the line, James got the message, okay? He got saved and be, he accepted his half-brother as the Lord of glory, that he is God of very God. James saw that and, and grew up with that and understood it. So why is partiality a sin? Because of who God is. Do you understand that every race, every person in this world, no matter their belief system or structure, if they're even of another religion, they were created by God. I'm not saying let go of the gospel. What I'm saying is we can't proclaim the gospel when we show partiality to people because we're against a group of people by whatever identification is in your mind. And by the way, all of us are prejudiced just about different things. If you didn't have, you can use that word lightly, certain prejudices, you would, you would do things differently. But when we use it in an ugly way, we can be prejudiced against a group of people just simply because they live across a certain road or invisible line that you can see on a map, but you can't see it if you're looking at it in real life. You see what I'm saying? It could be a different race, different religion. You just, you just, you get to the point, some people, of hatred toward a group of people, however you identify them. And James says, don't show partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you can't say, I'm a better Christian than you, I'm better than you, uh, you're not worthy. And, and he starts showing this example by how we treat people as they come through the door. Now, I have known people that could buy and sell all of us in here that you couldn't tell by looking at them. And I've known poor people, you thought they, you know, they were as rich as Bill Gates. Because they tried to put on that way and tried to fool you into thinking that. You can't judge, we say, here's a little idiom we have, a book by its cover. And that's very, very true. I thought about dressing way down today, like wearing ripped jeans and t-shirt and all of that, but I, w I didn't want to dishonor our graduates, so uh, I said, well, I'll at least put on a tie. Still, you know, I still got business up top and, and uh, relaxed down below with my jeans and boots, but that's okay. We, but we, we start showing partiality just how somebody looks when they come into church. Now, I think we've gotten over that a lot in this church. I don't even see anybody even care about that, and, and by that I mean... People come in suits, nobody thinks of it. People don't come in suits, nobody thinks about that. But there was a day and time, man, where you had to wear a suit, ladies had to dress up to go to church, right? Because we grew up in, in more of a Bible Belt situation. If you're my age or older, you know what I'm talking about, and you still kind of look funny at people uh, that, that don't dress up. But James uses this instance, this guy comes in fine clothing, and you're like, oh, come down front, sit down here. We start catering to those people, not because we love them, want to lead them to Jesus, but because what they might could do for us. If we're honest, right? If they look like they got money, maybe they can put some in the offering. Right? That's what James is talking about. And then a poor guy comes in, and you're like, you can sit over there in the corner, or sit in the back, or uh, there's no more seats. Just sit on the floor right there. See, a Christian sees somebody come in, and there's no seats, and they get up and give up their seat for the stranger. See what I'm saying? You with me? 
We honor the poor. Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the rich and the famous. Y'all don't know that Bible verse? Because I just misquoted it. What did he say? I came to preach the gospel to the poor. The down and outers. Number one, they'll listen better. I, I never had trouble witnessing somebody that didn't have anything. I've had a lot of trouble witnessing people that thought they had everything. And Jesus found that same thing with the rich young ruler. And so in verses 2 to 4, he, he talks about judging people by the externals, by what they're wearing, by what they present themselves as. And in verse 4, he says, you've made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. You, you may not understand this, but when you judge a person, you've put yourself in the place of God. You think you know everything about them. You think you know everything in their background. You think you know everything they think. You think you know their intentions of why they're doing what they're doing. It look weird to you, but my intention be right. Uh, the, the famous illustration I, I like to use, and I've used it before, so if you are watching and or here and this is the first time you heard it, good. If you heard it before, just pray for the rest of us. My mother-in-law told me that that big orange mug was offensive, but I forgot my bottle of water today, so sorry about that. Um, but the, the illustration is there's, there's my brother Doug, and he's walking across the parking lot, and he looks up, and I'm running at him full bore, and I just hit him. Boom! Knock him to his, his keister on the, on the pavement. And, you know, he's scrambling up to, like, what are you doing? And yell at me. He's a Christian. He might not cuss, but he'd get one of y'all to cuss and sign his name to it. I don't know. But he'd be pretty upset. But then as he kind of bounces and he's wondering what happened, that car that almost hit him goes by, and that attitude changes. To, oh, thank you, man. Thanks for knocking me out of the way of the car, right? It's the same action, but I had a, a judgment of intention. When you see somebody do something, you don't know the intention. I'm not saying that you can do a criminal act with the right intention and not be a crime, but what I'm saying is when you begin judging people of their moral value by what they do, you become the judge of the law. Only God can judge that. You and I both will stand before a judge whose judging is impartial. No matter how we look here on earth, it's a whole different criteria up there. We celebrate, even in Christianity, we celebrate the celebrity, don't we? We, we, we exalt people that, that we think are... are better or cooler or nicer or whatever words you want to use in verses five through seven he talks about god's choice listen my beloved brethren has not god chosen those who are the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom i don't care if you are as rich as bill gates i know how much money he's going to leave when he dies all of it but when you're rich in faith you're sending your riches on to heaven you know one rich guy he he, he got to heaven, he said, I, I wanted to bring something back from earth. And God said, we don't allow that here. You don't need anything from earth. He goes, just please, I, I just want to bring one thing. He said, well, what do you want to bring? He said, a bag of gold. He said, why would you want to bring pavement? See, God's measurement of success is way different than ours. And he says, there are those who are rich in faith and they're heirs of the kingdom. They're going to rule in the kingdom but when we see them on earth, we just think, oh, that poor, despondent soul. Has he not, which he has promised to those who love him, not who love this world and the things you can gain in this world. Nothing wrong with gaining things in this world as long as you have the right motives and use it right. And, and it's a wonderful thing. God blessed people in the Bible and there are people that suffered. But he says he has promised to those who love him, we all are going to die and our reward is not here, it's there. And when we live for our reward here, 
we're, we're in trouble. He says, are, is, is it not the rich ones who oppress you and drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? James keeps going back to when you show partiality, you are dishonoring God. Because God made us all. We sang it as little kids, we just didn't believe it. God loves all the children of the world, right? Red and yellow, black and white, we, we would add brown in case we missed something in the, in the color spectrum there. We all have melatonin. It's just we have different shades of it. Did I say that right? Melanin? What is it? Melanin, right? Yeah, my sister's a nurse. I checked it out. Okay, we're good. Melanin. We all have melanin. It's just different shades of it. And, and God made us all. So I want you to see that partiality makes you guilty of the entire law. In verses 8 through 13, first of all, I want to ask this question, does everybody deserve to hear about Jesus? Okay, well, we give lip service to it, and that's good, but you and I need to actually get out there and do it. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And every person deserves to hear about Christ, but if you show partiality. And you say, man, that's so far-fetched. And it may be from... From this church, it may be from your mind, I appreciate that. But I'm telling you, I've been in churches that wouldn't go into a certain community because of the kind of people who live there, and we don't want those kind coming to our church. I have seen that. I have heard that said. And, and I, 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 I will say very prophetic things if I ever hear that coming out of anybody. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin, convicted by the law as transgressor. In other words, he says, when you show partiality, look in verse... Um, then, uh, sorry, well, let me just read. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and convicted by the laws of transgressor. When you show partiality, God says you just sinned. When you prefer one person over another, you've just sinned. When you ignore people just because they look different, smell different, talk different, got a different job, and, and you just kind of like, oh, I hope they don't talk to me or I don't want to talk to them, you're showing partiality, and, Jesus, and God just says right here in James, that's the same as committing murder, same as adultery, same as lying, same as blaspheming the name of God. You name it, because if you disobey the law in one thing, you're guilty of it all. And James is making a big deal out of this, because remember, James is very practical, showing Christ in a hostile world. How do we show Christ in a hostile world? Because the world is divided, right? They, there's the thing called, uh, it's not division politics, but where you put people in groups and then get them to fight each other. So, because if they're fighting each other, you can get more power. America was based on all men are created equal. Took us a little while to get that totally right, but we finally did. Thankfully, the system allows for that. And, and, and so, that means it doesn't matter. We're all born equal. What we do with the freedom to, to follow God's will, that's on us. But we should all be equal. And, and James is saying... That comes out of the Bible. When you show partiality, you sin because God gives rain to the just and the unjust. God grows the crops of the unjust just like he does the saved. God shows no partiality. The same gospel can apply to any group of people in this world. And look at verse 13. This is why it's wrong. For judgment is without mercy to one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You don't know enough to judge. Only God knows enough to judge. What I found 
in general, this is a general statement, that what people judge the most about, usually they're guilty of. At least inside, they feel that way. They feel like they are that kind of person. But they have that problem, and so, man, they'll rail against it, especially in Christianity. And what you find out is that they're doing that because they're doing that. <laughs> and he says, mercy triumphs over judgment, because you don't know enough to judge... So we start with the benefit of the doubt. We, and again, this isn't accepting crime. This isn't, if I see a guy killing somebody, that I don't act to stop him or turn him in or whatever. But what it is saying is when you see someone, you go, that guy don't look right to me, and you show partiality to, against him, and that guy looks good, and you show partiality toward him, James says you've just sinned. Because our job is to share Christ with every living creature, Right? Isn't that what it says in Mark? Isn't that what it says in Matthew and Luke and John? He commissioned us to take the gospel to the whole world. And when we show any partiality, we're wrong. Well, say, well, that's all good, Pastor. What can we do about that? Well, first of all, you can ask God to show you where you're stubbornly holding on to your preferences. The way somebody looks in this church, some of you will judge that. Where somebody sits in the church, you may judge. We, by the way, even in this church, and even though we all say we believe the same thing, there are differences in some minor parts of our theology. Well, you're going to make that a, if it's a minor thing, you make that a big thing? I mean, wise man, a wise man told me one time, there's three surprises in heaven. You're surprised at who's not there, because there's some people you think, man, they're definitely going, and they ain't going to be there. And there's some people you think, they'll never make it, and they will be there. And the third surprise of heaven is you're there. Because when you see how awesome it is, you're going to go, wow, I don't deserve to be here. So ask God to show you where you're holding on to a preference. What kind of music does the church use, preference? How does somebody dress? If they wear a hat while they're playing guitar. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> What's the big deal? Why, why is that ripping you out of the frame? What if someone came in here and never been in church wearing a hat? And they're nervous and they see somebody wearing a hat and they go, oh, he looks like me. Now, I'm, I'm not saying we got to do that. I'm just saying there could be a better motive for doing it, right? That is the motive, by the way. Secondly, choose what God chooses. God doesn't say, I'll love you if. He just says, for God so loved the world. Luke's favorite verse. That he gave his only begotten son. Not God loved a certain group of people who acted a certain way and looked a certain way and dressed a certain way and sounded a certain way and smelled a certain way. He said he loves the world and all that be in it. And then, who will you tell about Jesus this week? Who will you verbally say, Jesus loves you and I love you because of Jesus? Let me tell you what he did for you. We have to act, not with partiality. I call it preference. James called it partiality. We have to act not with partiality, but with purpose. And our purpose is to take the gospel to every living creature. And until we do that, we're not keeping the Great Commission. Let's pray. Father, as a church, we know that we need your help. And...
we understand that there are different beliefs and there are, there are wrong beliefs. There's wrong religion. There are people, but they're, they're blinded. You said even those people are blinded by the God of this world. They need the firemen to come. They need the firefighters to show up and rescue them out of that fire to, to save their very lives. And so, God, instead of looking at that person, may we see that they have been held captive by our enemy. And, and, and Jude, you said, some you just pluck out of the fire with the smell of the fire still on them. And God, there are people that are perishing, and you've called us to go to them. And because of our own prejudices and preferences and partiality, we remain silent. God, may that not happen. We treat people preferentially within our own our own congregation of people, our own family of people. Lord, may that not happen. Show us today. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, just in this odd time we're in in the nation, uh, I know we, we, we can't just ask everybody to come down to the front, but I would ask, number one, that you'd sit there in your seat and you would pray, God, help me to see the world as you see it. Give me the love of Christ in my heart. You said to walk in the spirit in Galatians and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, Lord, may we walk in your Holy Spirit. But you may be sitting there and saying, I don't know Jesus, and you feel hatred in your heart. You know it's there. And believer, if you've got hatred in your heart, you, you better repent because the Bible says he is born of God, has the heart of God, and God doesn't hate people uh, because of, of what nationality or anything else they are. And so, God, and so I, I just am speaking to those who are praying right now. If you need to let Jesus' love come into your life because of the love he had for the Father and the Father had the love for us to rescue us from our sin, Jesus came and died in our place on a cross. And if you want him in your life, all you have to say is, Lord, I need you. I messed up. I need you to come in. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I turn to you. I want you to restore that image of God in me. And so if you would pray that prayer and then if you do pray that prayer, I'll be here after service. Other pastors will be here, other counselors. Or if you're online and you're praying that prayer, please let us know. You can email us and you can let us know. And uh, we want to help you to further in your relationship and walk with Christ if we can. And so, Lord, I pray that you now work in our heart and lives, that we'd be obedient to what you encourage and tell us to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Before we go offline, I'd like to say to the church members who are online, we have a very important announcement we're going to make at the beginning of the...